You enter deep into the woods, deeper than you've been before. You're sort of rebellious. I think this was part of your rebellion against your father, Reardon. Right. They wanted to keep me close. They gave me some freedom, but they definitely didn't want me sneaking out at night. So Roran is now uh, sneaking out at night into the woods. <laughs> yeah, so you, you follow... Um... You follow these these uh, this like woods deep into the forest near the the river, which, if I'm pronouncing my own spelling correctly, I believe is supposed to be pronounced as the Tiakobath River. Roran is following the Tiakobath River further in um, into these forests that he's uh, he's seen all of his life, um, and at some point. I think uh, there's he comes to a point where he actually can ford the river. It's a it's a pretty narrow point in the river, um, not really represented on this map very well. Um, but he's able to ford across the river and actually gets further from River Shroud than he's ever been. And this is when um, the forest is already dark. It's you know it's nighttime. You can see all the constellations. There's no light pollution. It's very beautiful. Um, and the further north you go, you actually begin to see something of a, of a Borealis. Different here than we would see on Earth. I think it's um, more of a, more, more of the reds palette of colors. That's been explained to you before as a, as a cleric that um, the magnetic fields of this... <laughs> I'm getting way too scientific for this. This is just <laughs> fantasy, but... Um, the magnetic fields are different because of the the plane that you're on. The prime material plane is interacting with the other planes in the um, the planar star that you are in a part of an existence of. Um, as as the priests know about it, um, this isn't this isn't knowledge. I, I don't think that is really uh, hidden or kept from people, uh, at least not in River Shroud, and not at this time. So you come to a clearing where it looks like. Uh, you can see everything in this clearing, despite the night and despite that there's a lack of a moon. Um, it seems to be pretty bright in here. Just, uh, you know, granted you have dark vision, you are half elf, um, but there's color. And instead of your normal dark vision being sort of shades of gray, um, you actually s you see color in this um, in this clearing. And there's one mm. single tree, just in the center. It's not a big tree. It's um. It's the size of most of the trees around. Doesn't look particularly special, but it's odd that it's alone. And curious, Roran walks toward it. Uh, it's not particularly big, but it is sort of uh, in a humanoid shape. There's uh, a couple branches coming off of it um, that look like maybe arms reaching towards the sky. The borealis there that you can see um, with a, a, a gnarled kind of knob in the center of those two uh, that look like it could be a head and even the roots are kind of pulled up from the ground near the center of the tree that looks like it could be legs but it's uh it's definitely an interesting sight and probably not nothing that Roran's ever really seen before so Roran takes in the beauty of this whole scene um and lifts up a gracious prayer to Pleth for this opportunity but uh curious Roran does walk up toward the tree yeah, and as you're uh, approaching the tree, you actually, um, you step into this clearing and you're looking up at the sky, you know, just as you're saying, taking in the, the beauty, and you suddenly see as though um, this, like the stars in the sky are suddenly uh, uh, falling towards you, it looks like. There's at least 11 different 
stars streak past you in different directions. Um, and then like something weird happens and you're actually kind of pulled out of your body for a second. You have a sort of an out of body experience. You're keenly aware that you're still in this clearing, but you're seeing a land that you've never been to before. And there's a, a beautiful city that's been erected in this land. Um, and one of these stars, one of these 11 stars that you've seen fall from the sky, uh, crashes into the city and levels it. Um, and then a forest begins to grow up around it. And then the other of the 11 stars fall all around the rest of these different areas that you're not really familiar with. And then one falls near where you know River Shroud to be. Not on River Shroud, not from where you're sitting in this like viewpoint in the sky. But you see mm. the last one touch down and then you snap back into yourself in the middle of this clearing and you are at the tree with a hand put on it. Uh, Roran gasps and uh, tries to slowly understand what he just saw um, and just is unsure. You feel like you can hear voices coming from the sky. Uh, and then as you sort of try to strain to hear these, what these voices are saying, um, it almost sounds like maybe one of these voices is coming from the tree. Um, Roran hesitantly reaches out to touch the tree. Your hand brushes up against the, the really beautiful white bark on this tree, this sort of birch-like wood. Um, and nothing nothing happens as you touch the tree, uh, but that, that voice that you thought you were hearing, it does stop. And as you move around the tree, um, you get to a point where you're about to round to the complete opposite side from where you approached from, and you feel a hand grab you. Ah. Um, and as that hand grabs you, you have another vision um, this one takes you away from your body. You, you aren't aware of yourself. Um, and you have this vision of three armored men um, standing at the top of the steps of River Shroud's main temple of Pleth. And the, the symbol is no longer Pleth's symbol. Um, the symbol is something sharper and more brutal and something that you have seen uh, on the decorations of Shrike Priests to the mm. to the west and then uh, you come back to yourself and you see a man standing uh, where the tree was but he's not <laughs> really he's not really a man either it's uh, it looks as though the tree has taken form are you are you a dryad your paths lead beyond your own belief in yourself I've been sent to show you, to warn you. In time, you will explore the world as you so desire, but it will come at great cost and loss to you. Your people are in danger. This world is in danger. Magic and all that is holding everything together in this world is changing. And the time will come for you to help bring what was once torn asunder back together. But first you must persevere and follow the immediate path set before you. You must make the hard choices, but they are the right ones. The choices will be hard, but they will be right, especially when you must choose between that which you love and the triumph and goodness of life. 
Roran just pauses, standing there in awe, and says to him, Who the hell are you? I am your help when you need it. I can't share much, and you won't understand all of it right now anyway. But I can tell you that I am here for you, and you will come in time to understand exactly who I am and who you are and what you are to this. And when he says this, he kind of waves his hand uh, just vaguely <laughs> in the, the general <laughs> direction of the of the planet, I guess. And um, uh, and then he uh, he just kind of puts his hands down and, and he looks at you again and he says, um, I'm here to help you fulfill your destiny, child of honor. Your dreams mean more than you know, and though you don't have time right now for me to explain this and interpret these and give you the answers you're looking for, I will aid you. Come to me every month in the next two years before you begin your training with the clerics. I won't be found here every time, but you will know me, and you will hear me in your heart, as you did tonight. Be watchful. Bring no one. I will know if spies are about. Now, please, go before your kin search for you and find me at the next new moon. Uh, and then you blink and you realize that it wasn't a man. It was just a tree that you've been sitting here talking to. Oh, my gosh. What did I eat tonight? <laughs> and I think Roran will just kind of stand there for a while thinking on this, but will agree in his heart to do as the dryad tree commands him to do. So at the next new moon, uh, Roran, you uh, you wake up again, and you're mad because you woke up. But then, um, like you have this moment that even though like this whole day you've realized like you know it's the new moon tonight, um, you're you're anxious and excited and a little bit terrified of what could happen tonight. You're not really sure was this a real thing or was I hallucinating? You know, did I brush up against some? some kind of plant that stung me with a hallucinogenic or something like that. You know, you, you're not, you're not really sure what exactly happened last month. You just know that what you felt was very real. And this is the new moon. And this is when the tree man had told you that, uh, to look for him again. So you've been sort of anxious all day. So even though you love sleep, you do wake up in the middle of the night and are unable to go back to sleep. And you feel this draw again to the forest. And after some time searching around, you don't ford the river this time. You actually travel west a little ways. Um, not too terribly far, but you do follow some extra, like you said, deer trails that you haven't really seen before. Um, before you come into another clearing. And, and once again, you have this Borealis above you. This sort of reddish hue um, swirling in the night sky where the, the moon is absent um, or almost completely dark at the very least. Um, the stars are bright, and this borealis swirls above you, and this, the forest is just beautiful with this. And you come into a clearing again where you can see color. And there, <laughs> again, lies... You know, you were extra careful. You didn't brush up against nothing. You didn't touch anything. You're wearing shoes, long pants. You're not getting bit by anything. You haven't taken anything... Um, you are sober and in a sound mind. And here is, in this clearing, a humanoid-type shape of a tree. 
uh, Roran will try to sneak up to this tree and uh, make sure nobody's looking. He's assuming nobody's around. Oh man, uh, roll roll stealth for me since you're going oh, into this, into this <laughs> clearing. I want to see how this turns out now. There's nowhere to hide specifically in this clearing. I mean, it is a clearing. The grass is really tall and there's an unknown number of rocks and or sticks in the grass as you're approaching, but somehow you manage to to avoid snapping any any twigs or crunching any leaves or anything like that. Um, and you, you get up to this um, white birchwood tree um, and, and you're looking at this like these knots on on the trunk. And just as you're having the thought like this could be a face, maybe maybe I saw that. Uh, the knots where there would be eyes, they open and you <laughs> look into these these just uh, these really deep kind of yellow red um, eyes that seem to go on forever. Uh, and it actually like takes you a little bit of mental effort to kind of shake out of that and, and not just stare into the these eyes that want to uh, to drown you, it seems. Yeah, Roran kind of gives a small gasp and twitches out of the trance. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, th- I think you even hear like a little bit of a chuckle just... <laughs> So, you are real. I am. I have so many questions. At the same time, you really leave me speechless. I can't even imagine that the last time I met you, it would have been nothing more than a dream. Dreams bring truth to many, though they may not know it. Just because one sees a dream does not mean that one does not know truth. Are you going to teach me how to read my dreams? That is not my purpose, no. What is your purpose? Child of honor, you are destined to be one of Pleth's chosen. Though, looking into your future ribbons, I can see you are intertwined with Agrishad as well. That's a very interesting combination of gods you just said. Do you not wish to bring nature's justice to those who would abuse it tell me young one what is your biggest worry at this moment right now whatever the heck you're leading me down uh he there's like a smile creases the face of this thing um (laughs) but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily laugh my worry selfishly is for my own freedom Never intended, wanted to be a cleric of Pleth. I love Pleth. I understand being part of the church will be a little bit limiting. And that's not what I want in my life. You are wrapped up in the politics of your people. Your worry lies with something that is within your control. It can be hard to see sometimes, but when speaking of Pleth's domain. One must choose whether or not to become a tool for Pleth and his domain, or to use his domain as a tool for Pleth's ends. You have a choice. It may be hard to see, but you have a choice. Well, since we're here, then I choose to hear you out. 
So I think it, it looks at Ron and it, it's he, he's saying, uh, my domain is full of mystery and renown and legend. And by my domain, I mean the forest, I mean the trees, I mean the magics that govern all of it. I exist in this form under Pleth's direction, though I am not of Pleth. That is interesting. What are you of, then? You might say I am just a bit of stardust taken on a new form. That's very new agey of you, but okay. <laughs> when you look at this form, you see a tree. When you look at your temple at home, you see a prison. When you look at the sky, you see just that, the sky. The things that you see are not always what they will end up being for you. Young Narabil, you must learn to temper your mind. Hmm. All right. Teach me how. Uh, yeah, I think he, he actually, like raises himself up out of the ground and uh, begins oh, shit. <laughs> to uh, to kind of circle the, the clearing that you have here and he starts drawing runes on the ground and he starts telling you about this is where Roran learns about the other gods um, was this night here uh, originally, right? You did learn some about it from your, your actual clerical training um, but this was the very first time that you learned that there was a different set of gods uh, the the, uh, the the dryad is telling you about um, Gritifak, the goddess of war. Um, her her other domains are justice, balance, for, fortune. Um, Infarsha is the goddess of growth, nature, travel, and enrichment. And he's telling you, he's telling you this with a little bit of deference. This one specifically, as it encompasses his uh, current uh, predicament. He talks to you about Rendrag, the god of order, structure, endurance, and fulfillment. Shinquin, the goddess of power, pride, vanity, devotion. Pret, the goddess of beauty, humility, kindness, and love. And he stops there for a second. And, uh, and he makes a comment about um, oh, her poor son. Uh, then moves on to Zerobax, the god of shadows, secrets, surprise, distrust. Nonami, the god of discovery, longing, memory, and happiness. Plicked, the goddess of truth, investigation, curiosity, compassion. Uh, talks to you about Lares, the god of preservation, logic, mists, metals, uh, and Atiel, the goddess of chaos, ruin, prejudice, and odium. Uh, and then he tells you about the eleventh god, uh, Tanavast, the god of honor, bravery, character, and hope. Uh, and and he says um, he says there's a reason that I have called you the child of honor, and know you are not the child of a god, but you encompass all of these domains, Rorin. You don't know it yet, but you've shown bravery by coming to me again. You've shown hope by knowing that there's something else that lies beyond your home. You've shown character by being willing to give the training a chance, and you show honor by being willing to stick to your word. And this is just now, Roran. I see many threads for you in the future, but you maintain all of these, and that makes you worthy. 
what am I worthy of? What am I worthy to do? What you do with your worthiness will be up to you. When I say I see threads in the future, I don't necessarily mean that I can see what you will do. I just know your essence. Your, well, if we're going there, your character. And it stays true. Everyone will have their doubts, young Nerabil. That is a normal and healthy thing. What matters is that you remain hopeful. You remain brave. You hold to your honor and your character will remain. So does this mean I should stop sneaking around? (laughs) That's not what I said, but (laughs) if that's what you feel is the right thing, I'm I'm not speaking on... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not speaking on behalf of Gritafuck here, of justice or balance. <laughs> Honor is not always doing the right thing. So with these gods, what do they have to do anything with the current gods? Well, the current deities that exist now are... Have you ever heard the phrase, put on display... Put on display. Yes. Like uh, certain birds in their mating displays. Yes, I I suppose. Um, hmm. And he thinks for a minute and he's he's like looking up into the sky and, and being like, how idioms are never my strong suit. It is to make an outward appearance. The broken of Mylar will one day be reunited, but until then, what we have is a broken system. I'm sorry, this is painful for me to talk about. Interesting, and I'm sorry, Uh, but thank you for the lesson. What else should I learn tonight? I think that will... Yes, no, that's... That's good enough for tonight. I think if you take some time and think about this and the implications of a false godhood. Well, maybe I shouldn't say false. He actually, like, you've never heard him uh, go back on his words before. So this is the first time he's ever made, like, a, con- a correction to himself. Um, granted, this is only the second time you've met with him. False godhood isn't the term. They are as powerful as the last 11 were. But they lack the depth. They were not forged in the same fires. Does that make sense to you? Uh, enough is an explanation that I can understand. <laughs> and he's like, you do know I'm only 18. I haven't learned anything, I mean, of <laughs> epic importance like you're telling me right now. <laughs> All truths are important and frivolous at the same time don't lose yourself trying to chase one truth and ignore the others i want i want you to think on this roran but i don't want it to consume you Uh, very well also like i don't have my notebook with me so i probably will forget about it pretty quick here so the next new moon comes around and roran you know this is real now so this is a much different night for you uh, what is what is Ron doing uh, before he heads out? Like, how does this day go for him, knowing what's coming up tonight? Ron 
is pretty dang excited now. Um, and, you know, still a little uh, worried about letting his whereabouts be known uh, with his family, but he is still able to, uh, you know, pack, you know, his new papyrus journal <laughs> and the uh, just a few small um, uh, tools just in case. Um, he's figured since this was, he's assuming it's going to be a different location uh, once again. Um, so he's just kind of, this time he's not really trusting his gut and is just kind of like mapping out his own course. <laughs> okay. So he finds a map of the woods and kind of um, not haphazardly, but just kind of like says, yes, I will pick a spot right here and just kind of almost throws a dart <laughs> <laughs> I like that um, but yeah just throughout the day you know he's packing being ready and that he's sure to sneak out without any um, anyone seeing him without any trouble um, and then he's just ready to go with his journal pen and all that um, yeah I think uh, I like this idea of him him trying to like sort of take charge uh, of this um, this hunt for the the dryad, as it were, um, and um, yeah, he, uh, he let's see, you, you get out there and you start following your your trail, and you come up to maybe two or three different areas where uh, on the map that you had, the trail was supposed to go through certain areas, like the one passed by a brook, um, another one had to go through like a small canyon. Um, and some of these are blocked and you don't remember them being blocked recently. Like maybe you've gone out, uh, foraging with some people or, right. Or, uh, or with, with some of the other acolytes and like pre-training or something like that. You, you'd gone out and, and recently, like I won't say like within the last two or three days, but maybe within the last two weeks, um, these had been cleared. Um, there's a couple of spots where some trees had fallen over and you had to go around them or, uh, there's a canyon that was now full of uh, just it, there was some kind of a landslide and uh, was full of dirt and so it, it's there's like a feeling and you know you're getting the same kind of um, this wild like uh, excitement to to search and you're like this yearning to be out and looking um, that you are now making connections with as being part of this um, destriad's magic whatever it is ah and and sometimes like the the pull in your gut wants to take you away from your path um, and you you resist it uh, you resist going off your path because you've decided you know you've made this decision to to do the search this way and these are the times when you've come up against something like the canyon being full or a tree falling over or um, uh, there's uh, one section where you actually kind of stumble into a small um, uh, trying to think of what dangerous animals might be around uh, you, you come across an area where it looks like maybe something dangerous has just been there recently and so you think maybe it's a good idea you don't tr quite travel that direction oh shit honey um, badgers yeah honey badgers oh no <laughs> I hope I never see any of those ever again <laughs> Um, but you, you, you never get hurt. Nothing ever chases you. Um, and you do get back on your path. Eventually you find your way back to your little, um, plotted out adventure. And, um, 
in the middle of one of these trails that you had decided to take, you come across a clearing, and there is the same tree. Uh, and this time, instead of it being a tree until you walk up to it, it is actually moving around. Um, you see him um, drawing things into the dirt again, uh, or like pulling up grass patches and drawing things into the dirt that, that's there. And um, you come up and you see a whole mess of runes, and and uh, and he says, um, tell me, young one, what do you know of the djinn? Um, I have only heard rumors of their existence, and I've heard that they're small. That is apt. Yes. Also, do you want to just, like, first tell me, like, why... Although, maybe... You're in charge here, I guess. I'll apologize. No, I am no. sorry I'm late. No, ask, ask your questions. <laughs> Did you have anything to do with the trails being blocked and this whole extra amount of effort I had to come find you? Yeah, he he um he actually like considers that question for a minute and he he says uh yes, I did. And let me tell you why. I told you I would know if there were spies about. I told you I would know if spies were about and I know that you did not willingly bring a spy. But your cousin tried to follow you. Karasad? He tried to follow me? He's, he watched you last time that you came out. He saw you from a distance. And though he wanted to run to you and and meet with you, I know that you haven't seen each other in a, some time. He um, ultimately chose against doing that. And tonight it seemed to be too much for him and he tried to follow you oh my uh Roran's just like he's gonna silently be taken aback and meditate on that but it's just like it won't really phase him enough to you know try to yeah. search out for Kara said it's definitely like a, a shock because you haven't seen each other but yeah um not quite uh uh earth shattering <laughs> as it were um yeah, so the, the Dryad just kind of hangs his head sadly, and he's like, I'm sorry, I know you have not seen each other, but our time is short, and it is too important. You will be reunited again. Oh. Maybe maybe not in the timeline you would like, but you will see each other again. Oh, it'd be great to see him, but okay. Um, yes, anyways, you were saying about the djinn. Yes, the djinn. You say they are small ancient things of legend these are all true uh, and he says um, the jinn have more of a connection to the to the twelve of mylar than you might understand but that is important huh. what what do they have to do with mylar they are related to mylar in the same way that you are related to rinian fascinating lore what happened to the djinn in the light of the red eye the djinn were taken and put into their own prisons the great one comes to consume them the great one great one is nothing but hatred and desire and hunger and teeth that is frightening 
If you knew something was coming to consume your lands and you could stop it by either burning the lands or hiding the lands, which one would you choose? Oh, man. No brainer. I would hide. Like Uh, I said last time, the honorable choice is not always the right one. Um... Thank you for training me. But don't you think I'm a bit young for these ethical dilemmas? (laughs) Maybe. But like I said, our time is short. I can only only get to you during the new moon. My energy depletes with every day. What's wrong with you? Where there is light, there is a shadow. And you may consider me something of a shadow. Sometimes the light fades, and therein goes the shadow. And before, so before this uh, this night kind of ends, he he shows you a bunch of different runes, um, which I will send to you. Um, they are um, they're runes that uh, correspond with the jinn. Um, it tells you a little bit about uh, dustfall. Uh, as as it was called many, many, you know, many, 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 many hundreds of years ago, Dustfall the Fantastic was the capital Jinn city, um, where it was uh, fabled that the Jinn fell from the sky in a cloud of dust. And the inhabitants of the land named the land such, uh, and where they found these strange and intelligent and creative creatures, uh, they helped build up a great city that then became uh, the heart of magic. But basically, yeah, that, that magic spawned into the world from from this city, and uh, and it had always been known from that point on as, like, the cradle of magic. Um, until, and then he gets to the point where uh, the city was torn asunder and destroyed. Um, and though magic remained uh, at that point on, the, the this magic and the jinn were never the same until they were eventually um, taken from the the planet and put into a prison. So you're telling me you're a jinn? He smiles and he's like ah, much more acute (laughs) at picking up than you think. I am part jinn and I am part mylar. Oh my. So, what, what is that? Like, demigod status? No. As I, as I said, I am more a shadow than anything. Oh. And though there are many things that I have taught you before you are ready, this is one you are not ready to hear. Um, and with that, I think he, he ends the, uh, the lesson for the night. Okay. And Roran's head is just getting bigger headache. <laughs> exploding and exploding and exploding. Yeah. Um and then we can skip ahead to uh let's see, I guess I'll, I'll just real quick over the the next um shoot, I guess twenty or so months. Um as Roran is growing and learning more about River Shroud and more about the Temple of Pleth and what it is that the the acolytes do there? How's how is his um, perception of of temple life and how he's view, kind of viewed it as a prison or a, a 
an affliction to his freedom. Mm-hmm. How, how has that changed, or if at all, um, in these next 20 months? Um, I think he's just succumbed to the fact he's like, this is going to be his life. Um, but uh, just more in an accepting way, not a bitter way. He's still not thrilled about it. Um, I think he's not going to really view it, view it as a prison either. It's like, just, well, at least it's op- an opportunity. Um, not my ideal, but there might be some better future, at least according to this dryad. Uh, okay, yeah, and, and so over the next 20 months, um, he kind of explains, he, he goes into more detail about the different domains of the gods. Um, he doesn't really talk a whole lot more about the djinn or about mylar, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of, like, I think those remain in your memory um, as, like, something curious that happened in the beginning when everything was new. Um, but with everything else he begins teaching you as you're beginning to start seeing more like studies coming up, um, that you need to be prepared for, you start taking it a little bit more seriously and the, the whole thing with the gin and with Mylar begin to kind of fade into the background. You don't forget it. It's still there. Um, but they're not things that you think about a lot anymore. Um, and, and we come to the last month. Um, where when Rorn ventures into the forest, I, I believe this is where he ends up going almost all the way to the the Shrike's Temple. He Correct. goes really far west. Yes. Um, you had no idea it was possible for a single person to uh, traverse that far <laughs> in a single night, um, but just based on Rorn's um, cursory knowledge of stars and like uh astrological signs and things like that as far as where they are in the sky um it almost appears that as he's running through the forest fairly unhindered by the way at a, at a pretty full sprint um never really seeing like it, it seems as though time may have st- that, that's kind of the feeling you get it's like time stopped right but that's that that happens when you get tunnel vision and you're um uh, kind mm. of into a task you right. sort of feel like time stopped around you. Um, and it's not something you really think about because, you know, you you have your mind focused, got to find this tree, and my gut's telling me this way. Um, until you find yourself in front of the Shrike's Temple, looking out towards it. The Dryad tells you um, that you have a task, and he wants to... He's pointing at this outcropping of ruins underneath the, the shadow of the Shrike Temple. Um, something that... I mean, you haven't really been out here a whole lot uh and these ruins that you've seen they they don't they don't look like they've been touched but they also don't look like they've been noticed for whatever reason however you can kind of put that together and he tells you um that this temple he kind of points at the the big temple and he's pointing at the ruins but first the temple and he says the the cultists built this long ago as an act of heresy against pleth it was before your father's father was born And then he points at the small ruins and he says, Those small ruins that you see there under the shadow of the temple are all that remains of the worshippers of one of the elders. That's Those small ruins that you see under the shadow of the temple, they are all that remains of the worshippers of one of the eldest. They are protected by the ancient ones. 
And only you and I can see them as an enchantment binds them from the sight of enemies. But tonight... Fascinating. Yeah. Tonight the spell ends if you complete this task. You must take me and place me in the circle of stones. There are no watchful eyes tonight, but do not be reckless. How am I to place you, master? You will know. Be cautious. But as I know you are capable, be courageous. These are my last words to you. These are my last words to the world at large. Roran, you will learn much. It won't be enough. You will be discouraged. I ask you not to falter. I can see that you've grown over the last two years. You take pride in what you know. Use your knowledge as a tool, not a trophy. You do not and will not know everything, and I'm sorry that this will only discourage you when you face your future challenges. Um, your mission is set, and it will come to you in the proper time. You must heal the world, roared Narabil. Bring peace. Bring together the children of deities. Your story means more than just being a cleric of Pleth. Your, your path will shape the coming revealing. I'm sorry that my vague sayings through these two years have brought you little comfort. Love this world, Roran. Love the people in it. Even the ones that are hardest to love. And to the best of your ability, do the next right thing as you will soon face tonight. I realize that in all this time, I... I never told you my name. I once told you that I was the product of genie magic and Mylar's power. I am the Shadow of Tanavast. And at this point, I think, is when the Dryad actually roots himself back into the ground and begins to sink into the ground. And he says, farewell, my friend. Remember all that I've taught you. And um, his, uh, his trunk buries itself into the ground. The trunk cracks open with this, like, crackle of blue lightning. And... Where he was once standing, there is just a, like, this five-foot wooden branch uh, sticking out of the ground. Um, with the, the top of it is gnarled and twisted into the shape of a, of a tree. Um, and it vaguely resembles the, the symbol of, of Pleth itself. Warren pauses, kind of with some, just an uh, overwhelming feeling of, like, sorrow but I guess gratitude um and just as that feeling wells up you know tears want to come out he doesn't really cry but he just feels that sadness and he walks over to picks up the branch yeah you you pick up the branch that will follow you in your life for uh many many years as it becomes your your holy staff, the staff you will use to cast spells in the name of Pleth to heal the sick, to yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, so let me, let me. I'm sorry. Let me get back into that. You, you, you pick up the staff. This is the staff that follows Roran for the for the rest of his life, pretty much. Um, this is the last remaining bit of your oldest, or not your oldest, excuse me, your old and mysterious friend, who you only know, knew a short time. Um. 
This is the staff that Roran uses to heal the sick, to um, bring hope to the discouraged, to um, to feed the hungry, to uh, to embody hope and courage and character and honor mm. in his life. And and you take this and and, and you complete your your little mission, which I'm not really going to narrate here. Um, but something happens here at the temple and you are forced to flee back home. And as you are in the forest running home, you have that thought again that, hey, has time stopped? And mm. there is a, a shadow in front of you that you run right through and you turn around and you look at it and it cackles and flies off. And you don't really think too much about it. But as you're running, um, you stop thinking about the djinn. You stop thinking about this name Mylar and you stop thinking about um, the name Tanavast. And though you'll remember your dryad friend in all the years to come, the the finer points of what you talked about is lost as though it was pulled away in this shadow. And over time, thinking about the shadow that you met in the forest, you will realize that um, you ran through uh, what appears to be, uh, to you at least, in your limited training, uh, one of the avatars of Virma, the goddess of shadows and silence. You're not really sure why Virma's uh, avatar was there, but um, and and you don't really connect the dots to your fading memory of your friend. But um, you keep your knowledge and you keep your memories and you keep these things that make Roran Roran. Um, but you forget some of the finer details and some of the more important things. previously with the Liberators. I certainly hope that you'll come back someday, Sonny. I will come back. We gotta get used to these changes. And you still have Talara. God's willing, I'll come back when we're through with this. And Roran goes over for a, a tender hug. <laughs> just so he doesn't just so he doesn't hurt his back. <laughs> Um, yeah, your your dad, who's been in this kind of like more weakened, sickly state since you've seen him, um, gives you a surprisingly like strong, firm hug. In town, you meet up with um, Karasad, uh, Talara, and her children, her husband. Um, you get a moment with all of them to kind of say goodbye. Talara... Uh, pulls you into a ridiculously strong hug that you didn't know was possible for uh, an elven woman of, of half elven woman of her size anyway she just kind of shakes her head and smiles and uh, and it's in that way that you know she knows that you'll be back uh, she believes that with every every fiber of her being um, Kara said it's like I think it's best if I stay here and make sure the city uh, remains strong if you're really going to go poke the Shrike, then maybe it's best I make sure the defenses are up here. Sure, I can't talk you into staying, cousin. I would. But I feel like this is something I must do. And I will be back when it's all over. We'll have another drink. On me this time. To the rest of you, he's like, he goes, um, be good. And, uh, 
bring him back in one piece, yeah? Roran, River Shroud is safe. You and your family here have made it so. Let's get started. Roran, you wake up in a shimmering field of grass under a lone yew tree. Um, as you look around, you see that you are under a lone, it's literally a lone yew tree, but you're in the middle of a clearing in a dense forest. I don't think it would take much effort to realize that this forest that you're seeing, you recognize as being um, the woods around River Shroud. Uh, you can you can see through the gaps in the trees as though it was all lit up, but you also know that like where you are is one of the only clearings in this area, um, and it, this forest is so densely packed that you know that it would be pitch black between those trees. But you're not like I don't know. You, this isn't uh, this this feels calming. I think you're, you're not alarmed as you wake up. There's no there's nothing that gives you cause for alarm. You just kind of wake up here the the wind is blowing softly the sun is shining it's nice and warm um and you feel rested so i feel like a calm curiosity yeah uh, as you um maybe sit up or or stand up or what you know whatever it is that you're doing you're as you're kind of waking up here um make a make a perception roll for me for sure Yes. Um, it becomes immediately clear that something's different. This isn't, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the way to put this. There's like a, I say the grass is shimmering, and at first you thought it was because the breeze was blowing them and the lights reflecting off of them in different, you know, in waves, um, as it does sometimes. But you start to recognize that the, the shimmer is kind of all around you. Um, and... And it's like at this moment that you you like do remember being in the temple of the Shrike. Uh, you remember brief flashes of facing against the the, the raw soul of Garrisil as he read from his book of death and being struck by something that that tore you from your body, your physical body. And and as you kind of remember that, you look down and you see on your on your ankle around your ankle, there's a silver thread that's shining super bright uh, and it's wrapped around your ankle tied tight um, it's not causing any discomfort um, but it's there and when you try to follow the thread that leaves your foot um, it kind of goes off into nothingness but it's like it's pulled taut did I portal somewhere else? um with the am I dead? with the, <laughs> with the wisdom of seven <laughs> Oh jeez, yeah, you you don't recognize what this is exactly. Um I probably would have said make an arcana check, but Damn it. I like I like the wisdom <laughs> save a lot better. Um yeah, so like so are you did you actually like say that out loud? Did I portal somewhere? Yeah, did I portal somewhere? <laughs> um there's a there's a stirring as it sounds like the wind is picking up um and the leaves in the yew tree behind you start to to shake a little bit. And you hear a, a deep voice come from behind you. It's it's booming and it's loud, and you sort of recognize it. And it says, um, "Despite our gr greatest efforts, despite our planning, despite sometimes even 
our training, we lose. You can do all the right things and still fall short. This is not your failing, Rorin. This is learning. This is life. And you turn around and you see your old mentor, the Dryad, who you immediately recognize as the what remains of um, the shard of Tanavast. Are you Honor? I am. Or at least I was. I fear... Not fear. That's not the right word. I sense that another has taken that mantle. Or at least taken over that domain. I'm dead, aren't I? He... His, uh, his dryad features kind of stretch out into a smile and he says, Well, yes. I... I'm dead as well, Roran. I, I think you know this now. I've been dead for some time, and uh, it seems that you've just arrived. Now that, and he points at the, the silver thread around your ankle, he says that tells me that, well, maybe dead isn't the right way of describing what you are. It seems you have some unfinished business. But for now, you can, you can rest here with me, at least for a time. Well, for now, that sounds comforting. <laughs> also a little bit worrisome. When will this unfinished business call me? Whenever you're ready, I think. You see, time, Yikes. time, yeah, time works differently here. Lord Tanavest, is there a way to see? What is happening in real time in the material world? Sometimes. As I've said, um, time works a little bit differently here. Sometimes we get a window to see what's going on. Sometimes we can get a sense of what's been happening. What what was it that, that you were involved in that led you to be here? I was fighting death with my crew. Something happened. All of a sudden, I did one spell, and the next moment I knew, I find myself here. He must have killed me. I wouldn't put it past my brother to do that. He killed the rest of us in some ill-thought-out plan. It wouldn't surprise me that he'd find some other reason to kill someone such as yourself. I assume you had some... You said you were with your crew? Are you um, oh. a, a pilot? <laughs> this is my team of liberators. <laughs> the Jin liberators. You uh, know, the liberators. Yes, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm only, I'm only joking. I know of the Jin liberators. You've heard of us, clearly. <laughs> I'm the one who sent the Stormfather. I don't see well, into your world all the time, and I don't know all the things that are happening, but as I said, I, I gain glimpses every so often, and usually when, when you needed them the most, I was able to, to be there. Well, you are a really crappy god. I'm a, I'm a dead god, Roran. Oh, clearly. <laughs> Thanks for all the trouble. Brought about a lot of character development here. Appreciate it so much. <laughs> you said time works differently here. That's correct. 
I understand if this is a hard no. But even though you're dead, you still have enough of godhood to see the future. My future. Well, I think I might be able to conjure something up now that you're you're here directly with me. Um Sure, let's give it a shot. What Yes, a field trip. <laughs> what um what is it that you're looking for? What what is it that you want? I guess if I was not killed, what would that look like? Is this thread is this make the possibility that I could go back? Do I have a future back with my family and my friends? Roll a let's see. Clerics or wisdom casters? Yes. Um, okay. Roll a religion check, but I want you to roll it with your um, wisdom modifier. So I, I don't know how different that is for you. Okay. So that what the roll you got is plenty fine, even even if you got a twenty, you know, twenty two, it would have been fine. Um, he kind of smiles and and he he turns around and. Do you see him start to like he reaches into the grass and into the dirt and he's like pulling these things up and he's like it looks like he's making I don't know a snowball kind of but with grass and dirt so a dirt ball a foliage ball something like that he like reaches he re reels back and he throws this ball and it crashes into this invisible wall and beyond the wall it, there's like a crack, right? And and it starts to kind of split open. And he's like, well, we can take a journey together and look at possibilities. But first we need to, we need to start from the beginning. And this crack opens up. And as the crack begins to open up, like in this, you know, it's like this non-Euclidean geometry, right? There's literally nothing there, but there's this rift in sp space in front of you. Um, and as it begins to widen, the yew tree begins to shrink until he be, he like assumes a, a humanoid dryad form. Um, and he reaches out his hand towards you and he's like, join me. As he begins to kind of motion towards this rift. I walk towards the rift. So you guys walk past this this rift in space and as you pass through, you realize that... You walk into a hall of of mirrors. It's just a long hall with different shaped mirrors on on every surface around you. The floor, the walls, um, high up in the ceiling, off in the distance. Um, and as you look into these mirrors, you begin to see uh, not just yourself and not just this humanoid dryad form, but you actually see moments from your life. You see... Uh, the day your sister Talara was born. Um, and you remember your mother being so proud that she had two, uh, you know, her two sons were now big brothers. And uh, and then the next mirror, you remember when your mother got sick. Being human, she wasn't prone to living as long as elves. And in, in all of these moments, you see your reflection as though you were standing in that room with them. Uh, alongside the dryad, Tanavast. You see the day that you were rejected from Druid School and remember how that felt. You see the day that 
Rinian uh, cast you out of River Shroud, and you remember the stab of pain that lanced through your heart. You remember saying a, a secret and, and tearful goodbye to Karasad as he met you on the outskirts of town. You remember a, a long year or two or five, it's hard to remember exactly how long it was, um, of exile as you pass uh, many mirrors of you walking alone along the road in the mud, in the rain, by the river. You remember passing through through towns. Uh, there's a, a mirror that passes overhead where you remember yourself in Tyakos trying to charter a boat. And then you pass another mirror and it's gone back in time again. And you remember laughing with your brother and your sister so carefree up on on a dirt hill as you played, you know, some version of King of the Hill, except you were <clears throat> you were playing with a with a water jug. And you recognize the water jug because it's the one you've been carrying with you. And it was so comically big <laughs> that that's why you guys kept it all the time and that was like your your trophy and and you pass by another mirror and it's back in the future just before your exile and you see um you see rinian putting the 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 water jug into your pack and you didn't know that he did that you were in the room when it happened um it was uh, just before your your public trial and then, uh, and then it goes back. The, the next mirror that you see is you landing in Edgemire. Um, what you don't really remember very clearly from your own personal memory is uh, that's being shown to you now in this mirror is the the absolute tension that existed in this city when you landed. Even, you know, eight years ago, um, war was brewing, but you you barely remember that. But as you as you watch it now, you see. Uh, just how desperate people were. You kind of, um, you remember only just sort of passing through like a ghost. Um, and then, uh, and, and you don't remember interacting with anyone in particular, but this these mirrors are showing you stopping by um, a homeless shelter of people whose, whose homes were burned on the outside of Ebenharth during some of the early uh, unrest. Um, they had taken shelter in Edgemire, and you'd stopped by and you shared... Um, you know, quotes water with them, and uh, and broke bread, and and sat down and had meals. And and now that you like think about it, you do remember vaguely sharing meals with people. Um, but what you didn't see again was the the spark of of hope and and joy that came to their faces as you as you sat with them and treated them like people for the first time in who knows how long. You remember passing through Cloudhenge and. Not remembering, you don't remember the uh, the amount of corruption that used to be there, with the the mining companies. Um, but it was there as you look at it now, and uh, you see a, a scene of Roran, you know, you giving your last piece of gold to someone who had just been uh, just been fired from one of the mining unions, <clears throat> and uh, was out on the street and, and didn't know what he was going to do, and you. Um, you had given him your last coin um and and it was the fact that you did it without a second thought despite you know passing through like a ghost uh, again you see the light that this brought to this man's eyes the next 
mirror that you pass again goes back in time and you see yourself sitting and talking with your father who's telling you the story of um, in you know the the ancient blue dragon indipitus who you now know a little more about um, and you remember the stars that were in your eyes as he told the story and not just that but the stars that were in his eyes as he talked about dragons and then you remember uh, as you see the mirror pass in front of you you remember your arrival in ballast um, just around the time that was it Korak and, and Webby arrived into town it was the first time that you'd met Ixus and uh, looking at it now you see the resemblance between the two of them despite uh, the the fact that you'd only just met them at this time now now looking at this this memory um, you can see very clearly the family resemblance between them the memory continues on as you uh, take a job with with Roblin Vice and begin to to uh, run your run your spice rounds and then there's just a, a whole mess of memories as these people that you met eight years ago slowly became closer to you and and became more like family and you stopped being so so dead to the world because as you showed your kindness to people in Edgemire and in Cloudhenge and in Hallohan and Atrium as you passed through now these people were were the ones who were looking at you as as a person for the first time since your your exile I think at this point, Roran starts kind of like touching each of the mirrors, just out of the longing nostalgia of those memories. Yeah, and and, and again, you know, you reach your hand out and you you touch these um, <clears throat> the outsides of these mirrors, and and you see your your reflection as you are now, um, you know, kind of in in the like as though you were part of these scenes. There's two, you know, effectively two Rorans in there. And um, Tanavas puts his hand on your shoulder and he's like, like I said, sometimes, sometimes we do everything right and we still end up dead. But that doesn't mean that you failed. Warren smiled like the first uh, half of that sentence was a joke. <laughs> well, maybe not everything right. <laughs> but then uh, he just turns back to Tanavas and says, thank you. It's important to see why the destination of where you were matters, and that's in the journey. And the treasure was all the friends I made along the way. <laughs> well, I saw a lot of mirrors in here, and I didn't see a whole lot of treasure, so... You are correct, <laughs> but also incorrect. Because each of these are a treasure enough for me. What do I do now? That's never an easy answer. And I wish that I had more, more to tell you. I know you want to go back. For me, I've been a person who has realized his, he just wants to be needed. And as unhealthy as that sounds, I still, I don't know, whatever this thread is on my ankle. I'm willing to just wait and see what it does. Yeah, you say the word need. I need to feel needed. And that 
that um, ribbon around your ankle, it it like shines brightly, and and Tanavast smiles and he says, "Well, it seems that you've finally put a name to what it is that this is. It is, it is a need." And then um, appearing on the other end of the tether, as the the rest of like the line kind of materializes. You see um, that sword, the sword of Agrashad. Um, but the problem is, is you go to you go to grab it and you can't quite you can't quite touch it yet. And and um, Tanavas says it, it seems as though my counterpart, my replacement, still needs you. Not to say that other people don't don't also need you, Roran, but you are still. You're still a part of things, just maybe not in the way that you thought. I have to tell you, Roran, it's not easy getting used to that. And if I had one piece of advice, Roran, and then his voice, as he says your name that last time, it sort of echoes and you hear your name, Roran, 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 kind of like through this, this hall. And it's the first time it's done that. And then he, he looks up and he kind of looks behind you. And he smiles and he's like, well, it appears we have one more gift. And you hear your name being spoken a lot more. And you turn around and you see another mirror, but it's bigger. It's filling like the whole room. And it doesn't look just like a mirror. It actually looks like something like like you could step through it. And you know this because you're standing on the edge of the same grove that you just woke up in. Except that around that yew tree is the rest of the Liberators and your father and Talara and Karased and many, 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 many people from River Shroud. And you recognize that your name is coming from Gob, who is standing nearby a small um, gravestone. As Gob says, I know it means a lot to Roran that you're all here. So I just personally want to thank you for being here. <clears throat> I know it's not easy, um, but I do want to just remind everyone why we're here. We're here simply for a transition, honoring the end of one um, form of Warren and embracing another um, as he transitions into a new existence. Um, we're here and we're going to lay his body to rest in this beautiful shroud or in this beautiful grove, um, frankly, because he's outlived this body. And I don't know where he is, but I know he's out beyond doing something, um, probably continuing to help in any way he can, knowing him. And it's a transition for us here because um, of the way we interact with Roran. Uh, it's not going to be quite the same anymore. Um, we won't interacting with him and his physical body but uh, we could still see the effects that he left on this world all around us I think nothing greater nor greater will you see that than here in River Shroud um, this place that he loved with all of his heart um, and all of his life um, and you see even through his sacrifice um, fighting Garrisel to free River Shroud from just the oppression that they were under for so many years um, so yeah, even through his exile and through his return, 
Uh, he's really given everything he has to this place and to his family um, and to the people of the city. And I know it's going to be tough. Uh, we may not see Roran walking through the gardens anymore. But we'll see him in the, in the beauty of every flower that blooms there. And we'll see him in the scent of those roses in the air. Um, and in the bees buzzing and those birds chirping through the trees. We know when every uh, new shop owner opens a shop without the oppressive hand of the shroud, we'll see Roran in the smiles of that shop owner. Uh, when kids play in the park and in the square, um, we'll see Roran and hear him in their laughter and, and the joy that they get to experience in a free river shroud, uh, thanks to his sacrifice. And whenever two people or more meet at the local bar and share a pint and their smiles and laughter fill the room, we know Roran will be there. Um, it's been said that no one is truly dead until the ripples that they cause in the world finally die away. Until the clocks that they wound up in this life have finally been wound down. And until the wine that they've fermented at harvest is finally consumed. Until the crops they planted are finally harvested and enjoyed. And so we know the span of one's life, the years that they're here on this earth, is really just the start of their existence. Um, so we know that Roran has a long time here in existence. As long as he lives in our memory, he'll still be alive and with us. And so I know it may be difficult for us all here, but I just want to remind you all that wherever we go, Roran will be there in spirit. And with that, God will lift up the water canteen and take a big, long pull from it. <laughs> and then uh, pour some out next to him, next to Roran's body on the ground. Um, then kind of quietly kind of get back in line with the rest of the group. So as, as Gob steps down, Roran, you, um, you hear his words, and as he speaks, you, you get a little flash of where they've been. So about shortly after the, the temple of the Shrike collapsed, um, <clears throat> Ezra Raker, uh, the, the Iron Vigil representative that fought alongside of you, uh, in the temple, he, he was holding that mask that Jackal had been wearing. Um, and he held it so reverently. You remember that? You remember, like, or, or, or not, rather, I'm sorry, you don't remember it, but you see this now, um, how reverently he's been holding that mask. And he, uh, as he hears your, uh, your party's plans to take your body to River Shroud, um, he politely bows and, and, says that he, he has some other business he needs to attend immediately and has to head back to Cloudhenge um, and is able to find a horse of, you know, there's many since this was literally a staging ground for a war, is able to get a horse and ride his way back to um, High Oron to get a boat uh, to go back to the mainland. Um, as As he's getting ready to go... You see, you see that mask, and and um, and this is, I guess, for everyone else too. This isn't just Roran. Um, this is something that happened for you guys. Um, 
you remember that mask that he was holding so reverently? It was like almost oozing a presence. Like it was so powerful. There was some something very magical and very mystical about this mask. So you could you could understand why maybe he was handling it so delicately. Um Galley, as you all boarded him, he dutifully dutifully flew you back to River Shroud um in an appropriately solemn state which only included four of his own original songs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then and then you're back in this moment and you see Korak stepping up next to your next to your body. I had the good fortune of traveling with a man named Aurorin for nearly a decade. In truth, we were both very good with words, despite what the other would say about the other. Aurorin was the definition of a companion. He was never more or less than what he, you needed him to be. And in my life, that's Debatable. a lot more that many can claim. Ask yourself, would you rather have someone in your travels who never lied, who was always perfect? As for me, I slept better with those like Rowan keeping watch. It feels fitting that he be laid to rest in the very place he never imagined returning to. Rowan and I shared that feeling when faced with the truth surrounding our blood, our family, our histories, that maybe we're better off as nomads. Master's Point, the Crown of Mountains, Harp Cry, Ballast. They could easily be a home. But Rorin taught me something. Once, instead of pouring over half-written truths alone, one night, he invited me to share a drink and just look up at the stars. I feared a speech about Pleth, but against my protest, he dragged me out of my tent. Oh, numerous hours later, he asked me, drunk, mind you, how do you do it? With your memories your own once again, how do you move forward when our path may mean patricide, losing your kin? To which I replied, I've had families over the years, more real and true than my actual blood. It's a weight I look forward to shedding. That doesn't make it easy. I think both of us have learned that matters of life and family are never easy. And I said this with confidence at the time, but in reality, I was still grappling with my own feelings towards my life, my family, my mistakes. But as Rowan was one to do, he nodded silently and offered some wise words. This world is merciless. But it's also beautiful, he told me. Those very words could be proven in both letting the past die, as I learned, and in doing what he showed this entire town, and what we should all remember. And that's that no one is ever really gone. So, to Roran, goodbye. Just as a visual, uh, Astral Roran is definitely just on his knees in tears. We got him, boys. We, got we him. did it! I, I can <laughs> feel it. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Got him! <laughs> um, 
the um, Roran, as as Korak steps down, you get another kind of flash into what they've been up to. Uh, as they arrived in River Shroud, um, the the whole town was excited to see their return, and were all very dismayed when you you weren't there, and they brought your body off of the ship. The whole town went into mourning for the first week. Uh, the Narabil family was taken care of. The Liberators were, were put up and accommodated. Um, Reardon declared the day that your memorial was to be held was henceforth to be called the Day of the Dryad. And all week, there were, there was, uh, you know, the, your, your favorite bar um, was providing free alcohol, but they were all in, in pitchers that had big old la- labels on them that said water. <laughs> um, even the orc tribe from Black Rock Mountain came down to pay their respects, um, bringing along with them Kaladin Guile, your friend, uh, as well as the, um, the nobleman's, nobleman's daughter, who is now happily married with her orc chieftain husband. Um, they even brought with them that silver dragon who was uh, n- the notorious tattletale. Um, but uh, you're, you're pleased to, or interested to see, I guess, that um, he as well puts on a appropriately solemn expression and um, air of respect. And then you're kind of back in the moment again, and you actually see um, Landis and Doc... Um, Doc is holding a piece of paper uh, as they both come to stand up next to your body. Thank you all. I had to write something down for this. Uh, Roran and my father. I'm sorry. And then Doc steps up. It's okay, son. I'll say something. I wasn't intending on speaking today. I wanted to have a day of silence. But it seems I'm past that time in my life. Because after all that is being written about Rorn in the scrolls, after all that has been sung about him by the minstrels, the compliments, the accolades, the great tribute that was given to him last night at a feast in his honor, I stand in front of you all honestly and feel a heavy heart and a deep pain mainly because he never healed any of my many wounds that I had taken in battle with him. But I digress. (laughs) We all have shared many laughs and drinks and stories along this great journey. There are a great many that come to mind in this moment. They were all amazing, and I will never forget any of them. I wouldn't give any of them up, the good or the bad, because I was able to grow and work through many hard things with him and you all. I always tell my fellow guardsmen and people of Hyroron that through, through life, you're lucky if you have four or five people whom you can truly call friends, and you can share any thought you have, any, enjoy, any, enjoy their company, be parted and separated, come back together again, and pick, right, pick up right where you left off. They'll forgive your faults and affirm your virtues. Roran was one of those people for me and I'm sure for all of us. 
and I believe and hope we all were for him as well. We as a group have been through terrible few days and it doesn't look like it's ending. The greatest followers of Pleth called his death a dark day in the history for humanity. They said it was a terrible affront to human dignity and our, and our collective emotions and our collective consciousness all went through the same thing on that day. I was riding in a carriage to Hyaluron, or through, through Hyaluron, picking up food for a soup kitchen that Warren had sponsored, when I began to hear the people wailing, one after another. A lot of you share that sound with me. We all felt the same. It was midday that afternoon that I came back to the soup kitchen, feeling very heavy with the day's events. We were serving meals to the homeless, and the fog finally lifted, and the thought finally came to me. He's dead. At that moment, my already strained emotions did spiritually what the death of my wife and child had done physically many years before. And I felt my whole spirit crumble to the ground and turn into a pile of rubble at the bottom of my heart. I sat down on the stairs of the cellar with my stone of far speech and yelled out to my son to give him the news he had already known. We cried till our tears ran out. <coughs> But now we know that the work is still ahead of us and needs to be done. And we will do it together no matter what it takes because we are all closer now than ever. And we are capable of whatever life throws at us and we will forever carry Roran's memories in our hearts. We will never forget you, my friend. Roran, your perspective shifts again. As you see... Um... Shortly after the first week uh, ended and preparations began for the memorial, um, it's just a, it's a really beautiful day, and Gob is out for a walk, and then suddenly, Roran, you you hear someone behind you, and they're saying your name. And you turn around and and you see Axel uh, walking towards you um, through that rift uh, in the Hall of Mirrors, and and this is you know this is where Eric was going to come in here. I'm sorry he's not here today to do this, but um, Axel smiles broadly when he sees you, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you were dead. <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry about that." Uh, and and out from behind his legs darts this uh, this little girl with stark white uh, stark white hair. Um, and she looks up at Axel, and he looks down at her, and he nods, and she runs off, uh, breezing past Gob's cloak, uh, as he kind of looks around at her as she runs by, and she goes to play with some other kids. Uh, she looks to be about maybe maybe eight years old. Um, and and you're just standing there facing Axel as he's very clearly seeing you as you are right now, but in this moment that isn't at your memorial. He's like, so how how did it happen? Good to see you too, Axel. Um, <laughs> I the memory is I can only see it through these mirrors. One moment I'm fighting, the next moment I'm in this plane. Yeah, magic's tricky like that sometimes. Uh, 
Especially uh, if it involves death. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Do you remember when we were trapped in that that weird underground dungeon and we watched Korak like cut off one of his fingers or something? And yeah, that was a rough time. Stuff's weird when when you got death involved. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Listen. Let, let me let me try something. And he he pulls his loot. Or no, he had a gong. I'm sorry. He pulls his gong out. <laughs> <laughs> And he strikes the gong really hard, and it resonates loudly. Um, and and in the music, you you f- you know you feel the beauty of this moment. Um, and and the the memories come back to you. You remember exactly what happened in in the temple. You remember being hit by that spell. You remember um, before that fighting against apparitions of Garrisil. You remember fighting the War Masters. Um, you remember that it was Medusa who chased after Garrisil. Um, when he froze all of you, um, she was the only one able to break out of his hold, uh, and that's what she disappeared, and that's what led to uh, sort of a, that rescue mission that led you all to the temple. So yeah, you, you kind of get it back in this this uh, succinct clarity, um, and then when you look back around, you, you know you you see this uh, this little girl who had come out with Axel. She's running still and Gob is looking after her still but it's kind of moving in slow motion as Axel is as um you know talking with you um and he's like well you know I hope hope that helps don't know why you want to keep some of those memories but uh hey you know <laughs> different strokes <laughs> well they're useful Axel who's the girl uh well, um, it's hard to hard to explain, but uh, I'm just taking her out sightseeing right now. She's uh, she's fr- she's a the daughter of a friend of mine. It's her birthday today, so uh, she gets to she gets to leave the demi plane on her birthday. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> do I do I notice that Gob sees her? Uh, yeah, Gob her? yeah. Gob Gob okay. has seen her, and again, like it's. Axel's still moving in real time with you, uh, but Gob and the little girl and everyone else around in this memory are now moving slowly. Um, so it's it's as though she crossed some kind of a barrier out of this demiplane that you're in, and she's now in River Shroud, um, and therefore is moving slowly as Axel speaks with you. Gob's doing a little illusions entertainer, make <laughs> her laugh and smile. Is there anything? So Axel, uh, yeah, go ahead. I just want to ask you. Are you like a plane jumper now? Are you enjoying this divine godhood? Well, I, you know, it's hard. I don't like using the word God. He kind of holds up both hands. He's like, eh. I, I'm, um, I embody, I embody the avatar of the God that I serve. It's a little bit different. I don't, I don't hold any divine powers I, I it's just i am the song sometimes that i can come and go as i please or at least as long as there's su- sufficient beauty in in where i'm going um but i only get to bring her once on her birthday is there anything i can can do for you before i i head out and keep my eye on her she gets in trouble <laughs> i don't know Somebody said, somebody, Tanavas said 
I may not yet be ready to return, but it is a possibility. Will... Will I ever see you again in case that possibility happens? I think so. I think... I think that we're connected in, in more ways than people really understand. Um, and as he says that, you see the um, <clears throat> the silver like lasso that's around your ankle. Um, there's a smaller silver thread that kind of shoots off from it and points towards Axel. And it's not really like, I don't want to say, I, you know, normally I probably would have made you roll a perception check to see that, but... Um, why look I, I, at this other yarn here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he points at it. He's like, "Yeah, see, this is this is your connection here." Normally, you don't get to see it. This, this truly, this is kind of cool. Do you see these coming off yourself? Yeah, sometimes. Um, you know, as I embody the song, I I see the song's connection to all beauty everywhere. Oh, that's beautiful. Pick pick those threads as I choose, and and go visit places that need need refreshing, or someone just needs a, a pick me up, or which I suppose is just a fancy way of saying refreshing. But Axel, you drove me nuts on most of our escapades, but I think that's because I saw a reflection of myself and how hesitant and how unwilling I was to participate in things that needed to be done. And you, this decision you made, this investiture that you have taken up, I respect you for it. And I don't know, there's been something gnawing at my heart ever since you took this responsibility up and I hope I can whatever may happen to my soul, to my body I just hope I can get, continue to be inspired by your example and all the music and the beauty and the loveliness that you bring the world he smiles really broadly <clears throat> when you say that and <clears throat> roll a just real quick, roll an insight check for me <laughs> he he uh, reaches out and he puts his hand on on your shoulder and he says, um, "Thank you, Roran. I know. I know things are are different here than than they were when we all still dwelt on the physical plane. But you know, you you were still you there, just as much as you are you here. And I have to say, um, you inspire me too." And he's got like he he's got he's got genuine tears in his eyes as he says this, um, and he he kind of pulls you. You're crying, your, bro. <laughs> he kind of pulls you into a brief hug, um, and he's like, I, "I I promise I'll come visit, okay, as often as I can." Oh. That'd be great. And he looks uh, over his shoulder, or oh, actually, I'm sorry, over your shoulder uh, towards the girl. And, um, and and as it's playing out in slow motion, as Gob is setting off some firecrackers, or um, you know, turning his head into a bear illusion, or something like that, <laughs> um, and he smiles and he's just like, uh, "I I should go, um, but but I'll be back." 
and uh, and he he moves to leave, and his sh- his hand doesn't leave your shoulder for a second. And he stops, and he just looks at you again, and he looks like he's about to say something else, and and then he just and then he moves past you, and and uh, the scene begins to play again in full motion as um, Gob is, you know, Gob, what are you doing? For you, you said you were making some illusions, right? You know, I'll pick up a leaf or something and turn it into a butterfly that flaps away or, you know, things that would just make her laugh and smile or just little, little illusions like that. Yeah, she, she's absolutely loving it. And uh, there's a bunch of other kids who've gathered around now, um, much like that scene from, from a uh, whole bunch of butterflies then. <laughs> it's like that scene from uh, Lord of the Rings with all the <laughs> Hobbit kids. <laughs> running after Gandalf. <laughs> trademark, um, trademark, 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 trademark. Yeah. Um, and and actually, as this little girl, she's running around trying to catch the butterflies, and then she she sees uh, the stars in your in your robe. Um, and her eyes go wide, and and she looks up as as Axel steps up next to you, um, in his resplendent white, you know, bard getup. Um, he looks like a freaking french commodore uh he's just really <laughs> really like uh i'm trying to think just very loud outfit for being white um uh and this girl looks up at him and she's like uncle axel it looks just like home uh and he just kind of laughs he's like that is some sweet robe you've got there gob oh you too axel <laughs> oh you know i just threw this thing on well thanks for being here it means a lot yeah, I know. Yeah. It means a lot to Roran as well. Yeah, and he uh, he looks over his shoulder. That's you know something that you can't see. And he looks back at you, and he's got he's got a little a little bit of misty eyes, and he's just like, "That's got to be hard for you guys." Yeah, um, Roran's a great friend. Really, more of a brother than a friend, but I know he lives on still, even if he's not on this plane with us. He's not gone forever. That's true. I think... I think that's more true than you realize. Maybe not. Um, your, your father told me... He asked me to let you know that, um, that Jeff is okay. okay. Settled, settled somewhere out east. Um, not really sure where... But uh, he wanted me to pass that along. Okay. He still has the armor that I gave to him? Indeed, he does. Okay. I'm sure it's in good hands, then. Kind of sad to see it go, but I'm sure it's in good hands. <laughs> Just like it's not. we all are with Roar and looking at it. The doubt. <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> um, Axel points at the at the nearby pub, and he's like, "I'm guessing everyone else is is in here." Yep. There's a uh, endless water on the house. So, you joining? <laughs> yeah, and he shouts. He's like, "Hella, this way!" And she, you know, she perks up and looks, and and then she looks around at the kids around her, and she just gives them this pe- big pouty lip. And he's like, Ugh. all right, all right, but don't tell your mother. 
<laughs> she runs off with the with a bunch of other kids. And he's like, sorry, I have to. It's She it's called a, you Uncle Axel. Uh, who is Who is who are her parents? Uh no nobody that you've met, I don't think. Um just a just a friend um from you know from the domain of song. Um someone who's got a very strong connection there. I got to know her over over the years, uh, although I he stops and he's like kind of looking looking around he's like I, I realize uh time works a little bit differently it hasn't been even one year i think since i i left right now right and he's kind of looking around he's like what year is it i honestly don't even know <laughs> <laughs> these last two years have been a blur <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> yeah yeah but i you know i do some mentoring with her um her uh, her father is n- not around right now. Something. He just kind of waves his hand vaguely. He's like, "Well, something happened." But he was a good man, uh, from everything that I understand. But well, she's lucky to have you. I'm sure she'll have fun with those kids over there. Yeah, these are these are her favorite trips. She only gets to make them once a year on her birthday, so. It's hard to it's hard to tell her no when she wants to go and play. I can't imagine she'll get up to too much trouble. Um, you guys walk into the pub. Uh, Korak, you know, Ignis, Medusa, um, Landis, and Doc. That's everybody, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys are all. I'm guessing you're all in there drinking or something, whatever it is that you're doing. And you you see Axel and Gob uh, walk into the door. I immediately roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even notice. <laughs> Medusa is so drunk that her hair's just all over the place, making hissing sounds. It's, it it looks horrendous, but it, it's it's her best way to cope like this. She's never been good around the concept of of facing her own uh, mortality when she was human and having to see um, friends die is the most painful for her. So she, it, it's a bad habit for her. So she, she's dealing with it in her own way. Would she uh, object if Axel came and sat down next to her? I, I'm pretty sure she doesn't know who Axel is, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ag- Axel comes and sits down next to her, and um, and he's like, uh, you know, I I, um, I don't mean to intrude on on your process, but I couldn't help but notice that little um, pseudo dragon you've got. That the uh, oh he, you you mean Frumpkin and I just <laughs> shove it in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Frumpkin. He, he he like takes he goes to re- like reaches for the dragon to take it uh, and like hold it like a like a cat I guess. Um, and he's like he's he's a, pr- a pretty little guy. That's what you get for making a deal with the devil. It just laughs harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose it is. I um I hope it's not too forward of me to say, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your work. Oh um, God, are you are are you part of one of those cults? 
No. Oh God, no. Okay, no, no, no. okay. I would never. Oh good, good, okay. No, I um I'm I'm not really from around here anymore. Um but I just um every once in a while I get to I get to look into um things that are happening around and uh I have to say you're you're the reason that I was able to um come and help uh where was it in the this the icy area, the snow place? Um I I followed you. I don't know if you remember, but you were humming that song and it it drew me, you know, your connection to uh just kind of the the desolate beauty of that area. It, it drew me to you. And um and that's why I was able to to meet you all there and to help. And that doesn't happen a lot where I'm right where I I need to be um because of someone's connection with beauty and especially in a place as weird as that. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you. Medusa kind of huffs uh, a bit at the, the word of beauty because <laughs> she definitely doesn't kind of consider any uh, relation. Oh, yeah. Between the two because she kind of had to give up on humanity. So <laughs> she she finds that a little bit funny. Then gets a little depressed that she doesn't have anyone to torment and just drinks more. <laughs> Axel just kind of, I, I think he nods and he, and he realizes that there's probably not a lot he can do for you. He he said what he wanted to say, and um, and he he stands up and he goes to he goes to walk away for a second and he stops and he turns around and he's like, "Hey, when you meet your devil, you know the one that you're chasing. I hope, I hope you get what you need from whatever happens, and uh." And he turns away and walks over to sit down with um, with Korak and Landis, Doc, and possibly Ignis, um, if he's not at the bar. Uh, he might be at the bar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just sort of on his own yeah. at the moment, drinking. <laughs> he might. He might be. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> he could be at the pool table, for all we know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Axel sits down and, um, and looks around at Atlantis and Doc and, and Korak, as Korak's, like, just rolling his eyes so loud you can, you all can hear, like, his neck popping. (laughs) (laughs) Axel, what the hell are you wearing? (laughs) Oh, this old thing? Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be too, um... There's a word I'm looking for, I cannot find, I cannot come up with it but um the word you should have found is morning the town is in morning in case you forgot i'm saying this while i smile oh yeah yeah no i oh i know i know um but i you know it, it'll be okay it's <laughs> the into my drink <laughs> i'm sure everyone's fine with it i'm sure everyone's fine with it doc how are you how are you <laughs> Um, getting getting better uh, as the time goes on, but that might be the alcohol as well. Definitely, at least sixty percent. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get that, but uh, it seems like everything everything's uh, going okay for for you and your pops there. 
lately. Business is a booming. Business is a booming. That's for sure. This this whole he leans forward and like looks. He stares, um, kind of darkly down into uh, into the cup that he's poured for himself. Um, and he's like, "Listen, Doc. Um, I think you should know that." I'm the better sneaker because while you were busy like making a lot of noise in that camp I was the one who snuck out the the air to the rebellion without ever being noticed so like you got caught I didn't just saying and, and he's like he looks all playful as he's saying this <coughs> that's hilarious you can go ahead and keep on thinking that all you want. Thanks, I will. And he t- he chugs the rest of the drink. <laughs> Meanwhile, I pickpocketed him. <laughs> <laughs> Roll it. Roll it. Uh, yeah, do it. I'm, getting, I'm rolling it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steal from a god. See what happens. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh my god. Almost into the realm of the gods himself. <laughs> Stole from Jesus. <laughs> hmm, where did these loaves oh and fishes god. come okay, from? Okay, okay, okay. Alright. Alright. Okay. Are you gonna look into <laughs> Axel's character sheet just to grab a random thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have his his character sheet digitized. Oh, I do. It's right here. Is this the same? It might not be. Oh, no, it's not because it's not rolled up. Dang it. Um. Okay. I think you, you pull out of <laughs> Axel's pockets. Um, you pull out a gem, a gemstone that is like, it, it's so sparkly that... Uh, it, it, you almost mistake it for like a shard gem that you had been like, that you just like found all the pieces for. Um, and you know, that thing's gotta be worth some money. Uh, but you also pull out a, uh, okay. A, it looks like a notepad. Um, and there's a, a, a quill that comes with it and and uh, we can we can talk about what that is a little bit later. But yeah, you successfully pickpocket him, um, and he doesn't even notice. Uh, although he does look over at Korak as he's chugging down his drink, and he kind of gives a wink, <laughs> like oh, my drink for a second, and just kind of. By the way, I haven't even leveled up Doc forever, so that pickpocket came from a, an extremely low level. That was amazing. <laughs> Plus ten. Um, okay, so unless anyone else has anything they want to ask Axel, I, I think at this point the, the memory begins to kind of dissolve for Roran as he's taken back to the memorial. Um, I'll yell out, um, can I yell out, Axel? He looks over. Uh, time seems to slow down a little bit as you yell his name, and he, he looks up at you through his, uh, over his glass as he's drinking. Can you just tell them, tell them thank you, and I'm okay. Um, and with that, 
as the memory begins to dissolve, you hear Axel put the, um, you see him put the, the mug down, um, as Ignis, uh, moves over to the table. Uh, he's passing by briefly and, and Axel kind of like holds his hand out and stops him and, um, Medusa's head perks up and she looks over as you hear Axel kind of just say, um, in a very serious tone, like, look, um, you know, you should all know that, that he's, he's okay. And, uh. And he says, thank you. And the memory dissolves as you stand uh, once again in, that, in the, the, the Dryad's Grove. Uh, around the funeral, um, you know, with everybody there. As, uh, as your dad steps up. And he's got the look of a man who, who's already cried himself out maybe in private um his his eyes have you know he's got crow's feet he's got bags under his eyes um his eyes are bloodshot um but he's composed and he's not congested and and when he speaks his words are are as clear as they can be um he actually stands up out of his his wheelchair to make this speech and uh and he looks out over the crowd and he's silent for a long time in the beginning because i need this uh this track to end so I can switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whiplash. <Yeah. laughs> um Yeah, so he he's um he's silent and and kind of just looks at it feels like he's making eye contact with everybody um just kind of one by one as he gathers himself. And he says, "My son left this town." just over 35 years ago. He didn't do so willingly or how do you say he didn't go quietly but but he went anyway and I know that he lost himself for a time and I can't tell you how lucky I am to have been able to see him again not only after he's lost himself but after he found himself again. I I have two sons and neither of them are here anymore and some some fathers might might feel that that's a failing or that it speaks to their aptitude if that's even the right word for it but both my sons did the right thing in the end some made more mistakes than others And what's more is that I think they both had, they had a hand in in each other, uh, in each other's uh, redemption or, or success or change amongst many other factors, sure. My sons are gone and the world is not as beautiful as it once was. But I think that in a lot of ways we we have to make the beauty and make the sunshine that we want to see. And if Roran's taught me anything after seeing him again and seeing him changed and seeing him whole, I think it's that he, he makes me want to make my own peace. So... Today we say goodbye, and uh, he holds up a 
uh, a little a little glass of of you know water. We'll just call it what it is. <laughs> and um, and the rest of the the funeral crowd there also holds up a, a small glass, and, and everyone takes a drink. And your father steps down, and um, and as he does, the the scene begins to turn white around you, Roran, as um, the the that rift sort of. I don't know. Like I, I want to say, it's not that you're moving backwards, or necessarily even that the rift is moving forwards to like engulf you. But it is uh, enclosing around you, and you're back in the Hall of Mirrors with Tanavast, the Dryad. As he says, um, you know, not many people get to witness their own funeral. It's a surreal privilege. It is somewhat silly that we only share these sentiments about someone when they're gone. Lord Tanavest, thank you for this opportunity. He um, he swallows hard, and and he he's like looking at you, and he's just like, I'd like to say that I had a hand in crafting that. But the truth of the matter is, Roran, I I am only here to interpret interpret your your connections that maybe you don't understand. When when I said that this was a gift, I I have to believe that it's because it, it's something that you you needed to see in order to help you be ready for whatever comes next. Uh, and as he says that, you notice that the ribbon around your leg has has changed color, and um and it begins tugging at you you can actually feel it tugging but it's tugging down towards the ground and you begin to sink into the ground what's and, going on and he's like don't don't fear remember i'm here to interpret maybe readiness isn't the the proper word but i think you have you have a job to do and we we will meet again and he, he kind of stretches his hand out towards you um, as you begin sinking into the ground, which I realize is a terrifying concept, but... <laughs> I am at peace in this situation. <laughs> yeah, it's not, like, it, I should say, it's not alarming, especially once he explains to you what's going on. Um, it kind of makes sense. And, and part of it is that this ribbon wrapped around your leg is, it's tugging on you, but it's also emanating a warmth. And... Um, because you saw it attached to that sword and you 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 trusted that sword enough why am I why why is Asa explaining this let me have Tanavest <laughs> do this this is much better Roran you saw that sword you know that sword intimately you trusted it enough uh, to be your conduit of power in the world for maybe just a short time but that was your decision to make and that was your trust that you gave. And so, where this thing is leading you, just trust that it that's where you need to be. Then I'll be there. And I will see you again. And, uh, Roran, you sink through the floor. And we go back to the rest of the Liberators.
Um, Ignis, you are approached by Kaladin Guile. Um, he approaches you, uh, shortly after the memorial service. Um, and he's like, hey, uh, what's happening there, Ignis? Um, are you busy right now? Uh, well, we, we just concluded, um, service, right? I don't believe we had any other uh, things to see to at the moment, so I believe I am. Alright, cool. Um, listen, can I get your help with something? There's a... You know, I'm, I'm the uh, the woodsman for for the orcs uh, now. They, they've hired my services that way, so uh, we come through this the forest if we need to do trade. I know it pretty well. Uh, but I've seen something that I've never seen before, and the way that it's shaped has me a little worried uh, based on you know because I didn't see it till y'all got here and now that you're here based on what you've seen recently I think maybe you might be able to help me with okay um so he he takes you out to uh into the forest um kind of like so if we're all looking at the map there's river shroud um I would say it's probably just just south of the river here right on this little peninsula here um, cause there's a ford there where the, um, the orcs have set up so they can cross safely with, um, like a caravan if they need supplies or anything, um, before going up towards the mountain. Um, and he, he brings you around this bend and in the middle of this, uh, thicket of trees, there is a, well, make a perception check. Ooh, perception. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you advantage on it because he is pointing it out to you, but you're at a little bit of a distance. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. oh no! Um, what are we looking at? <laughs> so, so he points it out to you, and what you see is like a what looks like a glint of metal, um, but like almost sparkling, as though whatever this piece of metal is has a bunch of facets on it. Um as it's reflecting a little bit of sunlight because the trees aren't super thick over here. Um, and he's like, he goes, have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, I can't say that I have. It's kind of hard to tell. You said it was, it's uh, what time of day is it? Nighttime? It's like, I'd say it's just afternoon. Oh, just it, did, it didn't take you guys very long to get out this way. Yeah, I mean... I, it's hard to tell from this distance, but it doesn't seem familiar. Uh, well, I, mean, I suppose we could try to get a closer look. I, the best I can describe it is it looks like some kind of a... Would I be right in saying it looks like a little bit like a dog? But it's all spiny and made of metal. At least I think. I, I haven't touched it. I haven't got a whole, whole lot near it. And it hasn't moved since y'all been here two weeks ago. Did it appear when we came by? It showed up shortly after y'all landed. I I shouldn't say it hasn't moved. It moved there about a week ago. About the time that... um, Let's see. What was going on that day? That was the day everyone was drinking. Well, that was most days, I guess. (laughs) 
was who was that fella who y'all knew uh, in the white robes? It was a, it was the same day he showed up. Yeah, this this thing it moved the very first. It moved over here uh, when that that fella showed up, and it's been here ever since. You you, you never seen anything like that? Um, mm. as you guys are moving a little bit closer, you you actually like see it come into view, and make an investigation check. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what this thing looks like to you? With an investigation of 20? This thing looks vaguely similar to the sword that Korg was wielding when you guys saw him defeat Garasil in the Temple of the Shrike. It looks like his sword? It, it's reminiscent of that. The way that this... Because it, it does look like a like a dog. Right? Kind okay, of. I thought, I thought that's what you said. Like yeah. a dog sword? Yeah. It's got like um, canine features. It's got four legs. Um, it's sitting down. There's like a slight, like a tail kind of, got a long snout, pointy ears that are standing straight up, um, and it's like bristling with these metallic spines. And it turns, it turns its head and actually looks at you. It looks like it makes eye contact with you, as you kind of get a little bit closer. And it goes from a sitting position to, like a standing position, and then it's, <laughs> and then its ears go back. And it begins charging you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you said it was across the river, though? Or was it's, it... it's like in between a bunch of trees. Um, where you're standing, you're probably about, like, I'd say maybe 50 feet away from it at this point. Um, uh, and the river is probably, like, just behind it from where you're standing. I mean, it looks like it's going to attack us pretty much. Yeah, it's fangs are bared, and it's it's like ripping up the ground as it's running towards you. <laughs> okay, I guess already my my great axe. Awesome. Okay, <laughs> so as it jumps at you, make a uh, make an attack roll. Okay, awesome. Um, so you not only hit it, uh, but you hit it like square in the face, and a bunch of these like I, I guess the image doesn't really go, it doesn't show a ton like. You see there's like spines on the neck there um, and kind of on the shoulders. Mm -hmm. So as you clobber it with your great axe, because um, I think the way that it jumped at you, maybe you took a swipe at it with the blade end, but you ended up kind of hitting it with the blunted side. And it bounces off and the dog thing rolls away and you heft your great axe again and you notice that your axe now has a bunch of spikes like sticking out of it. Um, like they've pierced the metal of the axe. Uh, okay. Um, and the dog uh, rolls and turns around and begins running at you again. And make another uh, attack roll. Yeah. Okay. So this one, you actually manage to get the blade in between its like mouth. You hear a, a shrieking sound of like stressed metal. And the dog... Um, sort of ricochets off of your axe again and you go to heft it as the dog rolls and stands up and turns around and charges again and now you see there's uh, along the blade edge of the axe there's now what looks almost like serrated pieces of metal um, jutting out in addition to your axe and this time uh, the dog jumps at you go ahead and make another attack roll oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh man Oh boy. Yeah, you, oh you boy. nail it right between the shoulders. Um and it uh it flies up over your head 
and you bring the axe down, and your axe is almost entirely unrecognizable with how much, like, metal is just... Uh, it looks like Hellraiser. Your axe just looks like Hellraiser. Because um, it is just so covered in, in spines and, and this metal. Um, and it hasn't become any less effective as you've swung it every time. As I mean, as you can see, you literally have better, better rolls. Um... The thing is, this dog doesn't seem to be... All these spines that are sticking out of your axe, you don't see where they're missing from this dog. It seems to be regrowing new spines every single time. And it charges you again until it stops right in front of you. And it's not panting like a normal dog, but it is, it's staring intently up at you. Um, and wh uh, what do you do at this point? Since it's charged up to you and like before you could take a swing, it stopped. And it's probably about like, I mean, it's probably five feet from you. <laughs> um, hmm. I kind of want to like ask it what it's doing here. Um, I mean, it does it seem like it seems like an intelligent creature, right? That would like possibly yes. understand what I'm saying. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd you know, ask him, I was like, what? <laughs> What are you doing out here? He, he was supposed to be uh Cor I'm sorry, Korg? Korg's you said it was his it looked like his sword it when looked, when he Yeah, vaguely reminiscent of Korg's sword as he attacked Garrisil. Okay. Yeah, I mean that'd probably be what I would ask is what what are you doing out here without Korg and just out in the middle of the woods? <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it, um, sits back on it, on, it, like, sits down in front of you, um, and then sits back on its haunches, and then actually, like, stands up on two legs, and you realize just how tall this thing is as it kind of comes up to meet your eyes. Um, and the, speaking of the eyes, they definitely look familiar, um, but you can't place why. Um... As it reaches out one of its paws and touches your breastplate, and a golden light lances down its arm and through your your breastplate and like over your armor, and you can feel a warmth washing through you. Um, and a voice comes from the dog as it says, "As steel sharpens steel, so one great blade is only as great as the others." around it and it's time for me to sharpen my weapon and uh ignis you you don't know where um kaladin's gone he's like he's not here anymore um and this this golden light kind of overtakes you and you feel this this power kind of coursing through you and when you um have a second you kind of gather yourself you notice that Kaladin is indeed standing nearby, and he's smiling, and he's like, I didn't mean to trick you over here, but um, it kind of seems to me like maybe maybe you needed that. And we're going to end there tonight. And Steven, from now on, you're going to roll exploding dice um, oh, for, oh, for oh, any, oh. any damage uh, uh, rolls that you make or any, yeah, so any, any damage that you make. Um, if you roll the maximum number of that damage, you're going to roll another dice of that type, making Ignis infinitely more deadly. Okay. Um, and also, your axe is going to do plus five damage. <laughs> plus five to attack and plus five uh, damage. 
Wow. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll end there tonight because it is getting close to ten o'clock, and I know most of you guys got work tomorrow, right? So thank you all for being here, Michael. I'm not sorry. I hate all of you. <laughs> no apologies. <laughs> You guys are amazing. (laughs) Chris's sounded like a old, like, presidential video or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) I love that. You guys were all amazing. Thank you so much. I expect audio and video by next week. Oh, oh, God. Oh, no. (laughs) You killed me. Does that mean, like, Ignis has, like, a plus... 15 to his great axe now or something. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Ignis is an unstoppable force.